And we're turning to the book of Acts and to the first chapter, Acts chapter 1, continuation, of course, of Luke's gospel and uh, going on after the death, resurrection and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, of which we read here. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. While they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, and Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Amen. We'll leave the reading just there, and we give thanks again to the Lord. Let's bow our heads and ask his help. Now, Father, we pray again for a hearing ear and an understanding heart. Lord, the hearing ear is something that we can train. The understanding heart, O Lord, that we might understand the spiritual things, the deep things of God, is a gift from thee, and we come to thee that we might receive it at this time. Lord, those things which are spoken may touch our hearts. Lord, lest there be some unbeliever who has need of salvation and does not see it or understand it. We pray, our gracious God, that thou wast have mercy. And we pray, Lord, that thou wast glorify thy name. And that thou wouldst help us to serve thee even this night, as we serve thee with our ears, as we serve thee with our hearts, as we serve thee, O Lord, in the speaking forth of the wonders of our God. Hear our prayer we ask and continue with us this evening. In Jesus' precious and worthy name we pray. Amen. I want to think with you from the ninth verse uh, through to the eleventh verse, verses 9 to 11. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. 
While they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as ye have seen him go into heaven. Just a couple of other verses which uh, have relevance here. One from Mark's Gospel, chapter 16 and verse 19. We read, So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And the other from Luke 24 and verse 50, And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven so i want to consider these things with you as an encouragement to uh, the child of god and to uh, look into some of that which is spoken of here and what we see of course is the sovereignty of the lord jesus christ the position which he holds a position of authority in mark 16 as we've just read it says he sat on the right hand of god and of course the angels come and we read of them in first uh, in hebrews chapter one ministering spirits those sent forth to minister and how that uh, they speak to us of christ and reveal christ to us and uh, they did so here of course these two men that stood by them so in his sovereignty uh, we find that the lord jesus christ is ascended up into heaven there to take the position of the throne of course he was already king king of kings lord of lords and uh, the king of the jews as pilate wrote over the top of the cross of course even as he died and he reigns the scripture makes it very clear that he is reigning today lots of people think that he's not reigning today that there is a a reign to come and uh, that he is waiting for that time but he does reign today, and we'll see some of those verses, and perhaps uh, if it comes to mind, I will remind you of that statement as we come to them. But not only do we have those words from Mark 16 and 19, Luke 24 and verse 50, but also from Matthew and chapter 28 and verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power. In fact, from those words that we read earlier from the book of Hebrews, we see there also that God has put all power into his hands. Now we read there in the third verse, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Uh, he ha- upholds all things by the word of his power something similar is said in colossians and chapter one christ is sovereign the position that he holds now set on the right hand of god is a position of sovereignty is a position of power we need to remember of course that uh, though jesus uh, christ or um, the, the son of god being the eternal son of god is eternal and therefore he is not affected by time When he took upon himself mankind, uh, when he uh, added to himself that humility, which is hard for us to understand, we we, we kind of think of of, uh, God as becoming something less than he was when he became uh, man in this world. Uh, But he was still all that he was before, and he had added to himself that humility, and he learned obedience, as we read in Hebrews. 
and he became man, uh, so he was man and God. And so there are two senses in which we look at him. One as the creator of all things, as the eternal son, but also he is the one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And as a man, we look at him slightly differently at, at him in that office. And so here we find him sitting at the right hand of God, ever living to make intercession for us. But it was in Jesus Christ that it pleased God to set all of the inheritance. It is he who inherits all, and we inherit in him. So we find a sovereign God then. In fact, in Acts 7, verse 55, when Stephen is stoned to death, uh, he looks up and he makes a mention of, of what he sees when he looks up toward heaven. Uh, Acts 7.55, but he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Interesting uh, to say there that it says standing, and many people have drawn from that this uh, thought that the Lord Jesus Christ stood because it says in other places that he sat at the right hand of God, but that Jesus stood to receive Stephen uh, to himself, this great martyr who had proclaimed Jesus Christ without fear before the Sanhedrin. He saw him standing on the right hand of God. He was sovereign. He was over all things. And in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 25, uh, we read, and this is one of those verses that I made mention of, that Jesus is reigning today. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. So we, we look now at the time that all enemies are not under his feet. But nevertheless, he's still reigning until all the enemies are under his feet. In fact, Hebrews 2 and verse 8 says that very thing. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet, we see not yet all things put under him. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. So the preacher to the Hebrews then, the preacher to the Jews, because the Hebrews, of course, are the Jews, is saying that all things are under the feet of Jesus. He has this position of authority. He is sovereign and rules in heaven and here as we see the lord jesus christ being taken up and received from them into their pre into the presence of god and those other uh, revelations which are given by mark and by luke and by matthew of christ being raised up to heaven that he is at the right hand of god we see also the Lord Jesus Christ in his service here in this position of authority because though he is ruling over all things, yet still he is our mediator. He is man. He is still in service to his people to bring us to glory. We quoted in prayer and he, uh, he said to them, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And the Lord Jesus had gone to prepare a place for them, and he goes to make intercession for us. His service then continues, even though he rules. It's a tremendous king, this. A king who cares about his subjects. A king who works on our behalf. A king who loves us. He doesn't just rule over us with a rod of iron, but he loves us and cares and brings his people to himself that we might be with him 
and might inherit with him. Again, Hebrews 1.3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Here's his service. He had purged our sins. And of course, here in this portion, in Acts chapter 1, he also says to the people there that they should receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He goes, but he gives them the Holy Ghost, who he has spoken to them of in John's Gospel, it's recorded for us. But we see him in his service also as a great high priest. Hebrews 4.14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. He has purged our sins as high priest and a sacrifice. And now we see him as high priest passed into the heavens. There he will make intercession for us. Again, Hebrews 6.20, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And again, Hebrews 8.1, and there is much said concerning the priesthood of Christ in Hebrews. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. In other words, I will sum this up for you. And what the preacher says then in this summing up, we have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. He is in the position of authority. And Hebrews 9.24, for Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands. That is into the tabernacle or into the temple of Jerusalem. But which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. And the picture there is of the, of the high priest who on the day of atonement would take the blood of the bullock and he would go in on that particular day and he would put off his garments and goes in in just the, the ephod of linen. And he goes before God, not without blood. He sprinkles the blood before the mercy seat of God. He goes through the veil which separated that holy of holies, heaven, Indeed, uh, as has been pointed out uh, before to us, the place which was the Holy of Holies was four square. It was cube. It was a cube. Its width, its depth, and its height were all equal. And when we read in the book of Revelation concerning heaven, we find that it is four square. Its depth, its width, and its height are all equal. So the picture of the holiest of all is that very presence of heaven. And that's where Jesus has gone. He has gone into heaven for us, now to appear in the presence of God for us. And he serves that we might be redeemed from this position of authority at the right hand of the majesty on high. And we find also concerning Christ of his sanctity. Hebrews seven twenty six: for such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens christ is sanctified for us here he is in his perfection without sin appearing in the presence of god not with the blood of bulls or of goats but with his own blood to stand in the presence of god that he might redeem us from sin and the power of sin that he might make an atonement for us to reconcile us to god 
Here the great work upon the cross is completed by the continuing work of intercession until the enemies are put under his feet. That work goes on. We find Christ then raised up and ascended into heaven. While they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. They looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up. And we see then also his strength. Strength, of course, is that authority by which all of his enemies will be made his footstool. Hebrews 10, verse 12, a lot from Hebrews, because Hebrews really deals with with Christ and who he is and what he has accomplished and what he will accomplish and what is spoken to us as we continue with him and don't give up. Of course, it's written to the Jews. The Jews had to have this, this new understanding of what God was doing. It wasn't about a nation. It wasn't about a country. It wasn't about these places of Jerusalem and Hebron and, and so on, or even Galilee. It wasn't about this earthly kingdom. It was about a heavenly kingdom. And so the preacher is telling them of the heavenly kingdom and of what Christ has done, of what Christ will done. Get your eyes off the world, he is saying to the Hebrew people. And he is saying, lift up your eyes and see Christ. He is exalted high. He is at the right hand of God. He is not down here. We are not waiting for him to come back down here to establish a kingdom here. He has established a kingdom. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His kingdom is eternal kingdom. His kingdom is a heavenly kingdom. And if you are his, then you are members of that kingdom. And there is something more yet to be seen when the Lord Jesus Christ shall return. This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth, from henceforth, from now, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Remember that from 1 Corinthians 15, 25 again. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. The Lord has this great sovereignty, this great power, a dominion over the earth. And his power will not fade his power will be there to the end whatsoever occurs upon this earth only occurs upon this earth and it tells us in the scripture that people will be in great fear of the things which are coming upon the earth but the things which are coming upon the earth are coming upon the earth they are physical they are carnal but those things which are spiritual those things which are eternal nothing can touch them when all of the earth is, is, uh, flees away from the presence of God, only that which is eternal will remain. It tells us in Hebrews again, uh, yet once more, uh, those words coming from Hebrews uh, chapter 12, at the end of Hebrews 12, if I can find it just quickly. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh, For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, that is, in this scene of time, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now, that was, of course, the voice uh, from Mount Sinai, and the people were afraid because the, the mountain shook, and they feared to hear the voice of God. And they said to Moses, Moses, speak thou with us. 
but let not God speak with us. Such was their terror. But then he goes on, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more, and I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. This word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore we, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. A position of authority. God is sovereign. Christ is sovereign. We have nothing to fear if we are his. For should our lives be taken, then, as Paul says, we are absent from the body and present with the Lord. But then we see also this present assistance. He has departed to this uh, position of authority, but he has given us a present assistance. First of all, we can see in the comfort of his posture. This is for the sake of alliteration, I suppose, more than other. But his posture was that he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Luke 24, verse 50. He led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And the blessing remained, for it tells us, and it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. I don't think it is saying that he departed from them in Bethany. I think what it is saying is that that blessing remained until he was entered into heaven. In other words, his arms are still raised to bless us. It is just uh, seeking to convey that the blessing of God is upon his people. And there is a great comfort to know that God has blessed us and does bless us. That he continues to bless us. That his prayer is with us. That his power is with us. And that we have comfort in him. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them. He was parted from them and carried up into heaven. So Christ then, even in his departure, gives us this promise. This promise of blessing. And of course he has told the disciples earlier on, as recorded in John's Gospel that when he was taken from them, they would receive another comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. And then we see also the present assistance in the fact that he confers power upon them. In verse 8 here in Acts chapter 1, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. If you're here this morning, you'll remember how that the Lord Jesus had said to the disciples, who he sent out two by two into the villages of Galilee, that they were not to go to Samaria and they were not to go to the Gentiles. But now, and as I said this morning, I hadn't even made the connection then, I'm making the connection now. But as we, as we see here, now that Christ is raised and ascended into heaven, now they are sended forth sent forth to the Samaritans, uh, to Samaria, and to the Gentiles. Now the gospel is going forth, and he has given them power that they might go. And so he confers power upon them. See, Christ is in this position of authority. He is, he is unassailable. There is none that can touch him. There is none who can do him any damage. God cannot be damaged by us. We are the work of his hands. He upholds us by the word of his power. Our very breath is in his hand. Every beat of our heart is in his hands. If we were to rail upon him, he could stop our hearts in a moment and we would be gone. 
But we are still here. And of course, Jesus makes that prayer, doesn't he? If you remember in John 17, the high priestly prayer, he says, And now, Father, I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I pray for them. And Christ prays for us. He confers power upon us that we might be witnesses. And the question then is, do we know the power of God? And will we know the power of God if we are not witnesses? Is the power not given to us that we should be witnesses? Unto me. Witnesses unto me, Jesus says. And then in this present assistance, as Christ departs from them and gives them these blessings and pours out the blessing upon them, there is the communion of his people. And we read in Luke 24 and verse 52, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And as we read here, when they returned unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, verse 12, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey, and when they were come in, they went up into an upper room, where abode Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew and James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes and Judas the brother of James, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. And so here is this communion and, and we are told again from the book of Hebrews in actual fact that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We are to encourage one another strengthen one another the communion of the people of God is also the blessing of God upon us we come finally then to the promise of his advent because as they stood there gazing up toward heaven and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven verse 10 and as he went up behold two men stood by them in white apparel which also said "Ye men of Galilee why stand ye gazing up into heaven this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So Christ has ascended to this position of authority. He has given uh, the present assistance to us that we might continue the work. And again, from this morning, we were seeing how that Jesus went into Galilee and there were lots of questions about who he was and where did he get this power from and, and all those things. And he could do there no mighty works. And immediately afterward, Mark says that he gathered together his 12 disciples and he sent them out two by two. He doesn't abandon the people, but sends out his disciples. And we can see in that a picture again that Christ is departed from this world into heaven, though we cannot be seen there, but he has sent forth his disciples. That's us. That's you. If you're a Christian, he has sent us forth that we might be his mouth to the people and that we might preach of Christ. But Christ, from this position of authority, will come again. And the time that we have in order to go forth into this world with our sandals upon our feet and our staff in our hand, and not making this world our present home, but looking forward to that great day when Jesus shall return, even so come, Lord Jesus. There is the promise of his coming. And when the time is finished, he will have saved all who will be saved. And then he will return. And there is a description, of course, of his coming. The description is here. He will so come as in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. He will come in the clouds. In Mark 13, 26 and 27, Jesus is speaking here and he says, 
And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost parts of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. He will come in in the clouds with great power and glory. Same testimony that the angels bear to the disciples here. In Luke's gospel, it's recorded there. Remember that the writers of the gospels are writing to different kinds of people. And so they have a a message for them. So they're slightly different, but they are bringing forth the same meaning in the end. In Luke 21, 26, we read men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking for those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Uh, we, we, We seem to be... Uh, and I often wonder this. We seem to be in such days today, men's hearts failing them for fear. We, we are constantly hearing of climate change and how that uh, some parts of the country are going to be flooded and that uh, the, the ice caps will melt and uh, it, it will become uh, hot and uh, very hard to live in this world and how we need to do something about it. The man is destroying it. It's not surprising, really. God has said from the beginning that Uh, sin has entered into the world and man is destructive but men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking for those things after those things which are coming on the earth we're told about uh, uh, meteors which are flying around the sun and uh, through the solar system and every now and again you have a headline in the paper saying this one's going to miss us by so many miles and uh, and the, the whole idea it seems is to put fear into our hearts to make us fear that something's going to hit us something's going to destroy us something's going to wipe us out they will say like the dinosaurs i don't agree with that that's what happened to the dinosaurs but i think that this this idea of fear and then of course this this covid thing we've experienced over the last couple of years and men's hearts are filled with fear and then not only do we have COVID, but people are saying, no, there's bound to be something else. Once COVID is over, well, there's bound to be something else which will come along. And it might be worse than COVID. And there's this spirit of fear which is raised up in our thoughts and in our hearts. What things are coming upon the earth? Luke says, men's hearts failing them for fear. And then he says, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. In First Thessalonians 4, verses 16 and 17, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Here is hope. This is what the Bible gives to us. The Bible gives us hope. The world gives us fear and terror and, and, and horror and uh, darkness of an abyss. God says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thou wilt inherit the earth. There will be a great delight of his coming also. At the end of the book of Revelation, right at the end of the Bible, in fact, in chapter 22, the last chapter of the Bible, he which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. 
And John echoes, even so come, Lord Jesus. The Apostle Paul, thinking of that great glorious day, it says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Are we looking forward to that day when the Lord Jesus Christ shall return? Do we love his appearing? Do we love his appearing now? And not, the, not that final appearing when he comes in the clouds, but his appearing when, when souls are saved, when the gospel is preached. When people are moved by the Spirit of God. Do we desire it? Do we love it? Hebrews 9.28, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Oh, what a glorious day. The delight of his coming, appearing without sin unto salvation. And all the sufferings and all the troubles and all the difficulties and all the fears which, which affect us as well as the world, they will all be gone. And every tear will be wiped away. We will be in the presence of God with exceeding joy, joy such as we have never known in this life. Nor can we. Again. 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 12 to 14 looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat nevertheless we according to his promise look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness wherefore beloved seeing that ye look for such things be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless and peter exhorts us therefore because christ is returning and he's returning in the clouds to the voice of a trumpet and the archangel that there will be a judgment in that day but if we are christ's we are looking for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness we rejoice in this there is a delight in his coming when all who have stood against him and therefore against us will be dealt with and we will enter in to the joy of the Lord. And of course, finally, there is the destruction at his coming. And we saw there in 2 Peter 3 and verse 12, looking for and hasting, here is the delight, of course, looking for and hasting, even so come, Lord Jesus, unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. It is a day of judgment. The child of God is a day of joy and nothing of this world, which we have grown to hate over the years. A world which has tempted us, a world which has tried us, a world which has brought us low and, and depressed us, a world which has brought us into sin, so that even when we want to go into the presence of the Lord, we feel that we are unworthy. And we have grown to despise the world and to love Christ. We're hasting the day of God. But all of the heavens and the earth will be dissolved, the elements shall melt with fervent heat, no loss to the child of God. For there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And the meek shall inherit the earth. But at that destruction we read in 2 Thessalonians 1, 7-9. To you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. In flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God. 
and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints, to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Well, there will be a judgment, a destruction at his coming. Here, of course, the angels just mention the fact that he will so come. But who are they speaking to? You men of Galilee. He's speaking to these disciples, those who have loved the Lord, those who are disheartened by seeing him depart from them and, and ascending into the heavens to be no longer with them. He will come again as you have seen him go. But later as the scriptures unfold these things, they unfold the things which Jesus himself has said, they say there will be a judgment. And there will be an everlasting destruction from, away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. None of these things will be seen by the godless. None of these things will be seen by those who do not desire and love the coming of the Lord. Those who have heard the gospel and despised it. This good news. Those that, as it says here in 2 Thessalonians, that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The disobedient. Those who say, well, we go our own way. And it'll all work out for us. Even though God says it will not work out for you. If you don't know Christ. If you haven't called upon Christ. If you haven't confessed your sins. If you haven't repented and seen something more than this world. And the riches of this world. And the fun of this world. And the lusts of this world. If that is all that you have. Then this world is going to be destroyed. And you with it. There will be nothing for you. Because if this world is all there is and it is destroyed, there is nothing left. There is just an absence of things. There is just your soul for eternity. And the echoes in your mind of hearing the gospel and rejecting the gospel. Of the sins which you have committed, of the, the, the love of the things of the world which are all now gone. And I think that the worm that dieth not and the fire that is not quenched will be your own memories of the times where you might have turned and you rejected him and the sins which you have committed which have brought judgment upon you they will play over and over their worm the scripture says not a worm but their worm your worm and the judgment will be eternal because as long as you live as long as you exist your memories will be with you it's not the devil poking you with a hot stick it is you poking yourself with a hot stick it is the guilt of your sin which never departs it is the hopelessness because there is nothing for you and you are apart from all that there is which is God I was mentioned a hymn that I Looked, uh, I found actually uh, just yesterday and I meant to have copied it out and didn't do so this morning but it fits in here as well so it, it can cover both of those services if you're here for both the trumpet sounds the judge descends a numerous guard surround his throne 
His once dishonoured form appears far brighter than the noonday sun. Millions before him trembling stand and wait the great decisive word. Depart to everlasting woe or come, ye blessed of the Lord. According to their deeds performed, the righteous sentence shall be given. For saints and sinners is prepared a dreadful hell or glorious heaven. Where will you be in that day when the Lord Jesus returns with the clouds? Where will you be? Will you be with the goats? Will you be with those who the Lord says, depart from me, ye wicked? Into destruction, into the hell prepared for the devil and his angels. Or will the Lord say to you, come, ye blessed of the Lord. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. That will, is what will happen on the day of his advent when he returns and in those things which are revealed to us in the scripture they are set before us gospel good news well that's not good news but the good news is that jesus christ says come unto me all ye who are weary and heavy laden and i will give you rest believe on the lord jesus christ and thou shalt be saved let's bow our heads in prayer our father we thank thee for thy word and we thank thee for the promise of his coming and oh lord we pray that each one who is in this house tonight might be ready for that day when the elements shall melt with fervent heat when they will cry to the rocks and to the mountains to fall upon them for fear of his face when the guilt of their own conscience comes back to trouble them and they realize that the judge of all the earth has come as was promised and they hadn't believed and they hadn't prepared and that the judgment would only fall upon them that they might be destroyed by the rocks and the mountains that that carnality of this world they would rather die of the world than face the judge of spirits that the death of this world just sets us in the presence of the judge of the spirits of men lord all that this world might offer in destruction is nothing to that which is the eternal destruction of those who reject the God who created us. Bless your word to our hearts tonight. Bless it, Lord, we pray, and save souls for thy glory's sake. For that glory will be the glory that we see in the day of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.